everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. I am pumped up about today's show. I tell you what, you know that I bring the coolest guest into the show, man, and today is going to be like none other. I can promise you that. Today's show is with Jason Waller. Uh, he's going to share his story from trailer park, high school dropout, no college, and teen dad to becoming a CEO of a billion-dollar company. Man, I tell you what, Jason, are you there, buddy? How are you doing? Outstanding, man. I tell you what, uh, just so you know, I got my my buddy Brian in the house. Uh, great to be here again. I'm getting used to this, so I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I tell you what, hey, this uh, is a cool setup you guys got here. I, my stuff's not as, as fancy and as cool as this. I'm going to have to learn something from you guys here. This is a cool game. <laughs> hey, Jason, just so you know, um, Brian is a school teacher right here in uh, Rochester, right? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah, oh, so uh, we went to high school together, and uh, okay. and now we, uh, again, we've uh, been friends, and he uh, co-hosts the show with me once in a while. So uh, this guy, like, runs, like, uh, uh, Ironman competitions and stuff like that. So just a great guy, and I want to... Welcome, Brian, to the show as well. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to meet Jason today. So, Jason, hey, listen, Brian, hey, Brian, thanks for being a teacher, dude. Man, we we love that stuff. Thank you. We, oh, we appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yes, uh, the kids need us. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jason, listen, man. I mean, you talk about a um, just a great story. You built several companies from scratch into multi million dollar companies. Your current company, uh, Power Home Solar, ranked among the top 100 companies in 2019 Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Um, man, your self-made success came from hustle, heart, and toughness. I don't even know where to start today, but I know I got 50 minutes with you and I am pumped up. So first, I want to ask, what were you like as a kid? Uh, well, I was not the same, obviously, as I <laughs> but, uh, you know, my old man's from Ferndale, Michigan. So obviously I've got some roots here in Michigan and he's had that us versus the world mentality. Yep. He's a hard worker and a blue collar guy. And, uh, my mom was from North Carolina. They had three wonderful kids and we were raised in Arizona till I was about 14. And then my dad stayed with AT&T and transferred. He had an opportunity to open a business. And he didn't. And he stayed with AT&T. And, you know, he we moved in North Carolina and he grinded hard, worked multiple jobs. I helped him with jobs, but it was different. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, I was just looking at some pictures a buddy of mine sent from middle school. So it's like 27 years ago. Uh, I I'm about this big around and I thought I was a gangster and all my friends were Vatos Locos forever. I used to watch all those West Coast, you know, movies. But, uh, yeah, I mean, back then I was grinding a little bit too. I was shooting dice at school, thought I was cool. I'd loaded <laughs> dice. And, uh, my dad's friend had a video store. I was 14 working a job there, uh, making money so I can pay for my pager. Cause my parents didn't have a lot of money. So <laughs> they weren't going to pay for the pager. I had to work. You're showing all of our age there, yeah, Jason. Yeah. You're showing our yeah. age. <laughs> yeah. Pagers were cool though. Like I remember a time my 60, I have four kids and my, uh, daughter Mackenzie just got her license yesterday and i'm like make wow. sure you keep your 360 on and i know where you're at you're texting you're calling but i'm sitting here thinking when i had my license there wasn't anything i had a pager <laughs> and i would have to go stop at a payphone and put a quarter in and call my parents and be like this is where i'm at 
and it was just different. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely showing our age. So so listen, is it? I, I read a story um, last night. Um, I mean, I, I just couldn't get enough of your stories. I, I helped my daughter yesterday. I, was, I called Brian. I was ha- helping my daughter paint some rooms in her new house, and I hate painting. Hate it. Oh, but I, hate I was it. listening to your podcasts and getting to know you a little bit, and um, I, I, I painted her house, Brian and Jason, because of the memory. Mm-hmm. She'll always remember dad not paying a guy, but helping her paint. You know what I mean? And, so it, it was kind of like one of those true. cool dad Just moments. Just the visual you doing a ceiling paint with your T-shirt popping up and everything looking like, <laughs> I think that would be worth it. Was, yes. was it a belly shirt or a half shirt? <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, I, I, I heard a story. In, 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 um, were you really bullied for wearing some fake Tommy Hilfiger oh, uh, yeah. shirts yeah. Or, or jeans or something like that? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> Tell me the story. We, I got to hear it. Yeah. So when we, we moved to North Carolina, my mom was from North Carolina. My dad transferred. Uh, we moved into a trailer park called Southbrook. And I never lived in a trailer before. In Arizona, where we grew up, we lived in a, it, it, I would say it's a little less than middle class. Maybe, you know, it's not poverty or projects, but it was not middle class. But the neighborhood next to us was middle class. We always wanted to be in that neighborhood. When we moved to North Carolina, it was the trailer park. I didn't know any different. I thought that was, that's eh, no big deal. At school, it was a big deal. They'd be like, oh, you live in Southbrook? Oh, you live in the trailer park? So there was a lot of judgment in North Carolina. And my grandma, uh, my mom's mom, worked at a flea market in Elkin, North Carolina. And we would go up there and I'd buy fake Tommy Hilfiger from the swap meter flea market. <laughs> and I, I mean, dude, my parents would buy it for me. It was like 10 bucks and you get this Tommy Hilfiger sweater that looked like it may have came from Nordstrom or back then or, or Sears, but didn't. And I would wear it to school and I would, yeah, people would say stuff and make fun of me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard in North Carolina. A lot of people come from the Northeast that sell their homes and then they have a little money in their pocket that they've never had before. And then like, I'm just stating facts. So everybody in the South that listens to this, (laughs) the people born in the South, they're okay. The people from the North that go to the South, they are a little different because they feel entitled and they're very judgmental of other people because they think that they've really earned their money by selling a house that was worth 10 times more in New York and moving to North Carolina. You didn't earn anything. You got lucky. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, that, that mentality there of judgment and measurable, you know, who are you, where do you live? What do you drive? What are you wearing? That that's still there in North Carolina today as an adult. Um, I yep. flow better here in Michigan because I feel like people are more real. I'm friends with several entrepreneurs, Brian Elias being one of them. He's my CEO coach, good friend. People might remember him from Hanson's Windows. Uh, he's a great dude. I met him by circumstance because of my car at the gym. We ended up being really good friends, and he's a mentor of mine. Compa- and I've got other friends that you know uh, live paycheck to paycheck and struggle and, and rent an apartment, and they're all the same. Whether yeah. you have a lot of money, you have a little money, the people here – it's about being real and it's the same and there's not judgment and you can love and have relationships differently. I'm not knocking North Carolina, but that, and I go back and forth six months there, six months here, uh, that there's a problem there in the South, uh, of, a, of where it's, it's been tainted and it's not like that. It's always a lot of jealousy, a lot of secretive, a lot of judgment. And you don't get that in Michigan. In my opinion, people are like, Oh, that's not true. My opinion, my experience, I have friends all over the board. Yep. Um, and, I love each one of them the same. They love me the same. Our wives, I think it's all, and you, we don't, you don't even pay attention to who they are, what they have, what they do. 
it's about being real. And I, I that's what I loved about Detroit, New York. There's certain places in the world that's us versus the world mentality. Yeah. That's what I love about place. I, I feel like I belong here because it's kind of my upbringing, you know, the true underdog podcast I've got, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, you know, take, you know, going against the grain and taking, you know, the big companies on or taking the, the bullies on or taking the chance on or the business on and doing something. And that's, I feel at home in that element here with people. Yeah, Brian, I, I know I know you have something to say, but I got one I got one yeah. quick question. Listen, man, being from North Carolina, I've done a lot of work out of you know the Charlotte area, Morrisville, being around the, the whole NASCAR scene and stuff like that. Uh, when you moved to North Carolina, did you end up being a NASCAR fan? Okay, so my wife, <laughs> her family was into racing. Uh, her dad, um, back a long, long, long time ago, when she was you know less than ten years old used to go to the races all the time. They owned land out there by Charlotte Motor Speedway. So when I moved there, I liked it for a couple of years when Earnhardt raced. I liked yep. his attitude. I thought this is cool. After he passed, I really wasn't into it. It bored me. Uh, we, I lived in Concord, North Carolina. So you're from there. It's where I lived from 94 to 2012. Then I moved to Mooresville. So I lived over there in the point. Yep. And then I moved over to Davidson. We have a house in Davidson now and then a house in Birmingham. So I'm familiar with all those areas. You said I'm friends with some of the race car drivers. Good guys. They have a different personality than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Absolutely. newer northern money. And you know what I'm talking about. That yeah. comes from the north to the south and it's a little different. That's the, where I struggled. Yep, I love it, and I know Brian. Brian's itching because um, Brian, oh, you, no, you, you, itching, you, you kind of had the same story though. I mean, and, and, and when I when I told you Jason was going to be on the show, you're like you're reading some of the stuff about him, and you're like, dude, our, I've lived this. Our, I, I grew up in a trailer park. Our beginning was very. I I I can one up you on the thing though that someone had the brilliant idea though while I lived in a trailer park to send me to. A private school where obviously they had That's money, where we met. so I got jumped off on a bus where you know from the oh, public school. So it, yeah. it was it was painful, but I also wanted to say, do you remember? You know, forget the Tommy Hilfiger. Did you ever pull off wearing parachute pants? <laughs> yes, dude, I, I, I pulled I did. that off pretty well. I had I love the MC Hammer pants. I, I had three of those bad boys. All right. Those are great pants right there. I hey, look, I'm it. wearing a Biggie shirt right now, and the question always comes: Is it Biggie or Pac? And uh, <laughs> I like Pac because I'm from Arizona, but I'm sp supporting Biggie today. We All had right. some sales managers in the office today. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I used to wear the, the MC Hammer pants, uh, the purple Fila's. Uh, oh, that, yeah. You know, anything I can get that, that would make me at least somewhat be cool. I was <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I love this. I, I, when I read this, I, you know, I thought of um, the way that I created my business 23 years ago. And that was, you know, the speaking business. Uh, you broke into corporate America by telling some white lies to get hired into the companies. And, yes. and, you know, I mean, you talk about faking it until you make it. Talk a little bit about that in, in, in your in, in like where you worked, because, I mean, you still worked for some pretty big companies, AT&T, Verizon, Wireless. I mean, you were great. First in sales. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when I moved, I always thought I had game. My wife would tell you my game's <laughs> not that good, but I thought I had game. I got her. So and we're high school sweethearts. We've you know, loyalty's big to me. We've been together for 20 three years now and been married for 19. And then, uh, you know, I've got four kids, my oldest 21. I've got a granddaughter. It's 15 months old and I'm only 40. So I'm, I'm doing good. But is that what uh, it says on social? 
<laughs> That's what I yeah, say, I too. <laughs> well, I, hey, I went from a DILF to a guilt. That's what I, said, okay? I, love so, that. I love when you say that. <laughs> but uh, we, so we, um, when I got kicked, I got kicked out of school the last day of 10th grade. And I passed 10th grade. And, uh, you know, during school, I would help my dad deliver papers. So he worked at AT&T, third shift most of the time, sometimes second shift. And when he did second shift, I'd help him deliver papers at night. It was an extra 100 bucks, 120 bucks he'd make. I would be working at Boston Market. I would still go to school. I mean, it's just what we did, right? So my mom would work at, a you know, a, a Harris Teeter Bakery. And that's how we, I mean, that's just, that was normal to me. And then I'd go to school. So I'd be delivering papers with the middle of the night till three or four in the morning. So I had this hard work ethic. When I, then when I um, got my heart broken in 97, early 97. Yep. I, uh, I was supposed to graduate class in 98. I, when I got kicked out of school after 10th grade in 96, I decided I could either go get a GED, do nothing, or go to Stanley Community College and do the high school diploma program. Yep. So I went to Stanley Community College. I did the high school uh, diploma program. And because I had an injury in a landscaping truck where I got like $4,000, which was enough to pay my insurance for like 10 months, so I had this $300 car. The, the insurance was more than what the car was worth. So uh, needless What kind to of say, car was I it? It was an 85 Dodge Lancer. It was about five colors. The insulation would be falling out of the top. <laughs> the insulation was broken. I mean, it was bad. I, I got it painted at Econo for 200 bucks when I got the money. <laughs> um, but so I, I went to school morning and night to get it done. Like, you know what? I can get this done. So I'm opening the books and it was Mickey Mouse and you're filling out a form. You're not learning anything. I didn't get to do graduation. I didn't get to do prom, none of that stuff. But I had a diploma from Stanley Community College. Well, in 97, I got my heart broken. And Liz broke up with me at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to drive to Arizona and I'm going to go to college. I'm going to take my SATs. So I go to my parents and I sold them on this idea in the same day. Hey, I'm leaving Arizona tonight, taking my buddy Kenneth with me. We're driving across country. We're good. They're freaking out. I'm like, I got this. So they sign over parental rights. I talked them into this to go to my, uh, the, uh, one of my best friends who bought my old house. His family bought our old house in Arizona. I was going back to live in my old house with my best friend, with his parents, in my old room, as ironic and crazy as that is. <laughs> and so we drive three days, 36 hours, you know, 12 hours a day to Arizona and we get there and I'm 17 years old, no cell phones, none of that jazz. And I get there and I'm starting to take the SATs and I'm trying to figure out how I can try to go to college to ASU. And I've got all these plans and my best friend's a senior in high school. And I said, I'm bored. This sucks. So I talked to Mary and Eddie at the time and I, I convinced them to, hey, look, I've got these transcripts that say I graduated, but let's go make five cent copies at the gas station and let's make sure it doesn't say I graduated, but I still have the credits so I can go to high school with everybody else and be a senior and see what that's like. No, you don't need to do that, mijo. I'm like, yes, I do. I've got this. We can do this. So I talk her into it because she felt bad for me. And so I got to go to school when I wasn't supposed to for like three months. And I took classes like computer and business and extended long lunches. And uh, <laughs> I got this job with my business partner now, Kevin Klink. Uh, and we were selling credit card protection over the phone. I saw he was rolling in this like brand new neon with Dayton's. And I'm like, Kevin, <laughs> this guy's got money. So I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm selling, you know, telemarketing. I'm selling credit card protection. I'm making like 400 bucks a week. I'm like part time. He's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I want in. So I go there. And they've got like a hundred employees and me and him for the next like 
six, nine weeks are number one and two in the company back and forth. And we're making four or 500 bucks a week part-time. So I got a taste early of what sales was like, calling people saying, I see you got this credit card, but you don't have protection and you learn it, right? And you yep. get motivated and you're hungry. Well, then we get approached by a company next uh, down the hall that's selling home security. So I'm like, hey, we can do that. So we go get a part-time, we, we change jobs there. I'm making six, 700 bucks a week, basically calling and saying, you know, hey, this is Jason. Do you remember going to the mall and registering for the for the uh, Dodge Durango? Yeah, great news. You're still in the runnings for that. But do you hear this? Look, you've just won a free home security system, free installation. <laughs> Pay a dollar a day for the monitoring. When can we come schedule, do your installation? We'll get you set up, get your prize, blah, blah, blah. We smashed it at that. And then I'm doing well and Kevin's loving it and we're, you know, we're making money. I talked to Liz and I decided to come back to North Carolina. And, uh, so I drive by myself still 17 and I drive this time. I do it in two days, 18 hour drives each time. And, uh, I get home. And, uh, when I do, I, I, now that I've got sales experience, I'm looking for sales jobs. I can't find any. So I see one at first union, which now is Wachovia, which now I think is Wells Fargo, but it was first union. And it was in Charlotte. They had a CIC center off Harris Boulevard. That was a brand new building that was flourishing with all these jobs. I saw an opportunity to do sales there. Basically, sales is customer service slash sales, where you upgrade people to checking, uh, you know, money market checking accounts and offer them CDs and stuff like that. So I was like, I can do that job. Surely I can do that job. There's no problem me doing that job. So I applied for it, but because you had to have a college education, and because I had a fake ID and I was only 17 at the time, uh, <laughs> you had to be like 21 or 22 to have a college education. I filled out the ID like I was 21, getting ready to be 22, because that's what my ID said. And uh, I filled it out and said I had an associate's degree. And so when I did that, now back in mind, so the listeners and viewers know that they didn't have like real internet like they do now where you can punch something in and find a billion things on somebody. Wasn't like that. Everything took time. It was snail mail. It was ridiculous yep, yep. back then. So I did this not thinking I was doing anything wrong because I went and I did the interview. I killed the interview. I got the job. I get into training, training for three weeks. The first two weeks, I'm number one. They're allowing us live on the phone. I'm beating everyone on the floor for sales. I'm blowing it out of the water. Like almost like, and remember, this is all legal stuff. But you know when you watch um, Wolf Amer of Wall Street and the guy's on the yeah. phone? And yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, it felt like that. Like they're like, what is he doing? I was just so good on the phone. Yep. And- so HR pulls me to the side and it's like, hey, you know, William Wallach, it's William Jason Wallach. Yeah, we see we've called UNCC Charlotte and they don't have your your transcripts for your associate's degree. And I said, well, did, did you check under William or check under Jason? <laughs> oh, we checked under Jason. Nope. You got to check under William. So that bought me some time. So now my stomach's in pits. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm nervous. I'm really doing well. I go on the floor. I'm doing well. Wheat goes into me on the floor. I'm number one. I win an award. My manager pulls me to the side, same conversation. I need to know what's the deal. They can't find nothing. So I came clean with them. And I said, look, uh, no, I don't have a degree. And, the, uh, and I don't even think we talked about age. Uh, but you know, he's like, well, dude, why would you lie? And I said, you guys wouldn't have hired me if I didn't. You wouldn't even give me a shot. I wouldn't even got the interview. And now look, I'm the number one rep. You're the number one manager. So now I'm selling him on why this is a good thing. And... He's like, don't ever do that again. And he was a mentor for me. I worked there like nine months and I was making 65, 70 grand a year at 17, you know, just turned 18 years old on a job I probably shouldn't have had. And that gave me a taste of what sales and success was to where then I've got a job at AT&T and then, 
you know, fast forward, I get a job at Verizon when it was Bell Atlantic and I'm one of their number one folks and until I open a business, but it gave me that drive of that's what this looks like. And this is how success can happen. Jason, when I hear that story, it, I, I think about when um, I gave up everything you know, to be a speaker. But my last job, I was a marketing director for a Fortune 500 company. Yep. And, I, and I started out doing sales. And I remember going in there, I would stand on the tables. I mean, I, was, I just loved what I did. And I was good at it. I was top 50 out of 10,000 salespeople all over the country. I would hit top, top 50 every single week. I'd go in on Saturdays. I'd work Sundays. I just loved it. But then it made everybody mad. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they hated the, that I was successful. But I was passionate. And that's what I love about you, Jason, is you're passionate. And I have to ask, with over 12 or 1,300 employees, do you look for passion in the people that work for you these days? Yeah, so uh, because... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, because of that story, because I'm real big on resumes are fake, right? Absolutely. I mean, I can up a resume and make me look like a rock star and get a job at a, you know, fortune that I should never even dream of. Resumes are, are overrated. It, you know, it really just gets you into the realm of interviewing. And so we structure our business for our directors and our leaders and our managers to really hire on those things. The why passion. Is this a career? Is it something they believe in? Is it just a job? You know, what drives them? Are they hungry? Yep. You know, people that are complacent, people that don't have a drive, they don't have a why and they don't have passion. They won't fit our model. Our model is not every day we're just doing enough for shareholders. We don't have shareholders. The goal is to go public. But in a company that grows as fast as we did, and thank you for mentioning Inc. 500, we've won that three out of four years. But, you know, we will do, you know, over 400, three to 400 million in sales this year, a billion next year. You know, I would have never imagined anything like this. But the only way you grow like this is we have an 80-20 rule. 80% of the staff we want to keep every month we want to churn and burn the bottom 20 people that it's just a job. They're not doing enough. They don't care. They don't have the passion. They're not putting in the effort. They're cancerous. They're destroying the brand. They're holding everyone else down. We enable and empower our directors to hold KPIs for everybody down and to make them accountable. And I believe life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, whether it be a business is like golf. We all have the sand bunkers. We all have the out of bounds, the rough. There's no excuses. You control your shot. You control your score. If somebody is doing 200 sales to somebody doing 10, the one doing 10 sucks. The one doing 200 is killing it. And you need to get people that are closer to the 200 on the team to continue to grow. So as we do that, you know, if you're Microsoft and you don't want to grow, you want to stay the same. That's okay. You get great people. We get great people that are hungry and want to move up and want to drive and want to do things. And what's cool is almost every one of our directors and all of our regionals and and district managers in sales and in production have all started at the bottom. So they have all moved their ways up where it excites them and they know that there's a path, a career path for them, not only for for advancement and to feel good, but also to make more money and provide for their family and be a part of something great. So because myself and our team are so passionate about culture and what we're looking for and trying to, and look, it's not duplicate me because there's, you can't have a bunch of the same thing. It never works, Absolutely. but you can find different, different tools that these people have and you just got to give them a chance and they got to want something. They want to want to be about something. That's the difference rather than go, well, you've got great experience for doing this. I think I'm going to hire you. That does nothing and it's wasteful. And so we try and look, we're, we're still getting better at it, but we try to groom them to ask the right questions, interview the right way. 
And then what we also do is we just recently started a national uh, training and development group in our company that goes through and works with these managers that maybe they're rock stars, but they've never been managers before because they yeah. moved up to our company. So now we want to develop them how to hold people more accountable, how to structure schedules, how to you know hold meetings. So we're making them better anyways, because we know that's the deficiency. That's what you get when you get people that are passionate. Sometimes they're and they're hungry and they got all these things that you want. You have to develop the other skills. And I don't think that uh, passion is a is a developed skill. You either have it and you want it or you don't you either believe in it or you don't. But we can teach people how to work a computer, how to talk on a phone, how to do process. And that's where we kind of are as an organization. You guys have a mission. That's basically it. I mean, you guys are on a mission. I mean, and, and that's the cool part of this whole thing. I know, Brian, you got a question. Go ahead. Well, first, I was going to argue with you, Jason, on one thing. You forgot with golf. Uh, my golf balls tend to find woods, caves, hornets, nests, all those things. But anyway, regardless of that, I I think we might be related because you've basically described there are two early chapters in, in a book I wrote. One, uh, Number two was have a purpose. If you don't, you're shooting at a blank target. I love that with what you were talking about. The other one was 80-20. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in were – 20% of the people hijack the meeting and you get nowhere because all they're yeah. going to do, like you said, it's like I drop the dead weight. If it's not adding purpose or anything of benefit or value to what you're doing, you just got to cut it. And I love that you have that that mentality or that 80-20 rule. I thought that was really, really cool. I, mean, I appreciate say that. I try, yeah. to, I try to run it like a basketball bench, right? If you've got the best team out there, you want to always have the best team and you want to have a great bench. If they're not able to put up points, they're not able to do anything, they're not benefiting the whole team they're not they, that's not helpful and everything's about the brand go ahead no i was, I was just gonna say life is 10 percent of what happens to you and 90 percent of how you react to it i mean yeah. in in a nutshell that's what you're saying and i know we have to take a commercial break jason do you mind staying out for another 25 yeah yeah i'm good outstanding hey everybody i'm johnny d the motivational cowboy you can check out all the episodes at nrmstreamcast.com and don't forget if you have someone that you would like to have on the show or you have an idea for a show make sure you reach out to johnny d at motivationalcowboy.com we'll see you in just a couple minutes with episode number two with jason waller